Hi listeners, welcome back to Black and Cold, which is a true crime podcast. I am your host, Nichelle, and I am back this week with another case for you guys. I actually have a surprise for my dedicated listeners following my tardiness again, Um, but I'm not going to say much more about it. I'm just going to wait and let you guys see, or better yet, listen for yourselves when it comes. So we are in the month of June, and it is Pride Month, and dedicated to that today, I will be discussing the 2012 disappearance of a trans woman out of Virginia. 19-year-old Sage suddenly vanished without a trace after leaving her home to go on a date. And like many other minorities, you know, her case didn't receive as much attention as it should have, and her family is still left with no answers on her whereabouts. This case, to me not only shows that there are disparities between the media and people of color, but also with how people identify. This is the disappearance of Sage Smith. Deshard Smith, who later went by the name Sage, grew up in Charlottesville, Virginia. According to many of the sources that I used, Sage is referred to as she slash her. So those are the pronouns that I will be using in this episode. Sage is described to be full of charisma and outgoing, and she could basically make friends with anyone, according to her family. She had a very close relationship with her grandmother, Lolita, who also said that Sage remained fashionable wherever she went and she took pride in what she, what she wore. According to Investigation Discoveries Disappeared, Lolita was actually the first person that Sage came out to, but the rest of her family kind of knew all along and majority of them were accepting of it. However, Sage's father, Dean, initially had a hard time responding to his child being gay, and he even admitted that he said some really horrible things to Sage at first, but after realizing that Sage's sexual orientation had nothing to do with the love that he had for his child, the two made amends and Dean expressed much regret and seemed very apologetic for the things that he said to Sage in the past. And Dean mentioned something on Disappeared that I thought was so, so true. He said, you fear what you don't know. And I thought that was so spot on and appropriate, especially for this situation. And I just feel like people in general, um, when it comes to the LGBTQ community. As a child, Sage spent some time in the foster care system until fall of 2012 came, and that's when she decided to move to her own apartment with her two friends, Shakira and Aubrey. In November of that year, -year 19-year-old Sage also came out as a transgender woman, changing her gender to female on Facebook. Her grandmother told NBC News that she was happy at the time. On November 20th, 2012, which was also Thanksgiving Eve, at 5 o'clock p.m., Sage was getting ready at home for a date that evening. By 5.40 p.m., she woke up her roommate, Aubrey, and told him that she was leaving and would be back later on that night. But that time never came. Sage never returned. 
The next morning, when Aubrey realized his friend did not come home, he tried to give her a call, but Sage's phone went straight to voicemail. So Aubrey decided to give Sage's grandmother Lolita a call to tell her that Sage did not come back home. And once Lolita heard that Sage's phone was apparently off and going straight to voicemail, she immediately knew, like, this is so unlike Sage. According to Lolita, Sage always carried her charger everywhere. So Lolita instructed Aubrey to call the police to report Sage missing. And the next day, the Charlottesville Police Department began an investigation into the disappearance of Sage, interviewing many of her friends and family. Sage's father, Dean, had to break the news to her mother, Latasha, that she was missing. And already being upset herself, Latasha said in her interview on Disappeared that she tried to actually withhold that information from Sage's two younger sisters, Rasha and Iana. But social media would not allow that info to be a secret because they still found out about Sage's disappearance via Facebook, which is just a terrible way um, of finding that information out. But at the beginning of the police's investigation, Sage's stepsister, Kiera, came forward and told law enforcement that she had seen Sage that evening she disappeared. According to Kiera, she saw her near Main Street, which is the city's busiest area, at around 6.30 p.m. Kiera said that Sage was on the phone when they spoke, and their interaction was very short. But Kiera did also say that she could hear someone on the phone ask Sage, where are you? And she responded by saying she'd be there in five minutes. But Kiera never asked who Sage was speaking to. When authorities got a hold of this information, they subpoenaed Sage's phone records. But as they waited for that info to come back, Sage's family started conducting their own investigation, as they should. Now, members of Sage's family were able to access her phone records themselves after they figured out her password, and they noticed the last number that contacted Sage was an out-of-state area code. According to Dean, he tried to reach that number multiple times, but he was getting no response. So feeling like he is now stuck, Dean actually put that number on Facebook, looking to the public for information on whose number it was, as that was the last person to communicate with his missing child. And he was taken back when he received a response to that post. So a woman named Yami Ortiz, who said she was a friend of Sage, responded to Dean's post and said that she knew who was the person behind that phone number. She said that number belonged to a dude named Eric McFadden, and Eric and Sage were dating. However, Eric was not publicly out, and Yami also told Dean that Eric had a girlfriend. Alarmed by this new information, Dean went on and posted a photo of Eric to Facebook after Yami provided him with the picture. Eric would have allegedly been the last person to be seen with Sage. So as Dean continued to conduct his own investigation and he waited for responses on social media, the Charlottesville police had no idea about this Eric or the information that Dean and the rest of Sage's family had recently learned. But it would not take long for the police to find out. A couple of days after Dean posted Eric's photo, law enforcement received a call from a young woman named Esther on November 24th. Now, Esther called the police asking for them to do a welfare check in her home because she could not locate her boyfriend, who was 21-year-old Eric McFadden. 
At the time of her call, Esther was out of town for the holidays and told authorities that her boyfriend has not been answering the phone after she tried to reach him multiple times, and she just wanted to make sure that he was okay. Officers responded to Esther's request and made a visit to her home, but when they arrived, no one was in the residence. Now remember, the police have no idea that this missing Eric has anything to do with Sage who is missing. Only Sage's family is aware, and that's from their own investigation via social media. It wasn't until Yami showed up to the Charlottesville police station, and that's when the connection was made for authorities. And just like she told Sage's father, Dean, Yami also told the police that her friend had been in a relationship with Eric, but the relationship was on the low. Yami went on to tell them about Dean's Facebook post as well. According to the police, after learning this information, they decided to make Sage's investigation public. They held press releases as well as blasted flyers of both Sage and Eric, naming Eric as a person of interest. The police also wanted to conduct a search in Esther's home for any clues on where Eric may have went or anything linking to Sage. And with her consent, they were able to do so. Along with searching Esther's residence, law enforcement also seized the computer that was there. And although they did not find much, they found something that gave them some more insight. All of my New York listeners, if you are planning any type of event soon and are looking for some of the best balloon and decoration services, Neat Designs is here for you. Neat Designs offers the most gorgeous setups, whether it's for a birthday, baby shower, or just a simple brunch. And y'all, it is Black-owned. You can see the work that they do on their Instagram at N-E-A-T underscore designs underscore. Inside Esther's apartment, investigators found a receipt from a local CVS. The receipt was from a purchase on November 22nd, two days after Sage went missing. The purchase would have had to been made by Eric, as I mentioned earlier, Esther was out of town. And this would mean that Eric was in the Charlottesville area at least two days after Sage was last seen. To confirm this theory, the police were able to look over video surveillance from the CVS that day, and they were able to confirm for themselves that Eric was the one who made the purchase, which is what they already assumed. In the meantime, Sage's roommates were asked if they knew anything about this Eric McFadden, and Shakira had no idea who he was, but Aubrey told investigators that he met him once, but it was very quickly. With the proof of the CVS purchase now, the police began to develop a theory that Eric may not be responsible for the disappearance of Sage only because he was in town two days after she went missing. At this moment in time, the Charlottesville PD felt this didn't give off any behaviors of someone who committed any type of heinous crime, because in reality, it appeared that Eric didn't really fall off the grid until his information was put on Facebook by Dean. Eric also didn't appear to be as guilty anymore after his official phone records finally got back to investigators. The police were able to confirm from his records that Eric did plan to meet up with Sage the night she disappeared. They were able to retrieve the text messages between the two from that night. According to the disappeared episode, the text between Eric and Sage suggests that Eric was waiting for her that evening, but Sage did not show up. 
Records also confirmed that Eric was the last person she spoke with at 6.36 p.m. And Sage's family already knew this from their own investigation, but this also aligned for the police with what Kiera had told them when she said she saw Sage on the phone near Main Street. On November 27th, seven days after Sage was last seen, the police received a call from someone who identified themselves as Eric McFadden. The individual who called told investigators that they had nothing to do with Sage's disappearance, and they laid out the story of what happened that night. According to the police, the person presumed to be McFadden admitted to having a sexual relationship with Sage, and he was supposed to meet up with her that evening at the Amtrak station, but she never showed, which again, pretty much aligns with the text messages. The person who also identified as Eric said that they were in New York City at the time, not because they were running, but just because they wanted to visit the Big Apple. The police still needed more information from Eric, so he agreed to come back to Charlottesville so he can speak with investigators. But when that day came for their arrangement, Eric never showed up. And my thing is, you know, why wouldn't you want to clear your name? I don't know. Um, again, many people choose not to be forthcoming with the police. Okay. But granted, you are not running and just maybe wanted to visit New York for whatever reason. The only thing I found to be a little odd about this whole thing was the fact that Eric initially wasn't answering his girlfriend Esther either. And this was before him and Sage's connection was even made. But Esther eventually did get an email from Eric, and he told her about the relationship that he had with Sage, but his story to her was very different than the one that he told law enforcement. According to the Disappeared episode, Eric stated that he did in fact meet Sage that evening when other individuals showed up, and it seemed like there was some type of beef, so he left. Eric also told Esther that Sage had many enemies. And to make matters worse for him, he also explained in that email that Sage was threatening him with telling Esther the truth about their relationship. Because of his changing stories, Eric now became the number one person of interest again because not only were police thinking a theory that he could have maybe did something to Sage, but now they were thinking like, Okay, well, maybe he witnessed something that happened to her. The police were able to get access to Sage's social media accounts. And from there, they were able to see that many of the men Sage spoke with or may have had engagements with also were living secret lifestyles, just as Eric. Shakira, Sage's friend and roommate, told investigators about a situation that happened some months before Sage disappeared when another guy blamed Sage for his girlfriend finding out about their relationship. According to Shakira, Sage was actually attacked by that man. So when she went missing, she thought, you know, the person responsible could have very well been him. But investigators tracked down this individual and they found out that he was incarcerated at the time of Sage's disappearance. So his alibi was solid. On December 3rd, just a little over two months after she vanished, the police received a hit when one of Sage's credit cards were used at a convenience store. Once they received the video surveillance from the store where her card was used, investigators and Sage's family were both in confusion and shock when they found out that Aubrey, which is her roommate slash friend, was the one who used Sage's card. 
Now, Aubrey maintained that he had nothing to do with the disappearance of his friend. And he basically explained to authorities that using Sage's card was not unusual for their friendship. They used to share things all the time, apparently. And although there was no evidence of anything done wrong by Aubrey, Sage's family found this to be strange. And I I totally second that. So two more months pass with no leads into the disappearance of Sage until February 2013 when a new witness named Monica, who said they knew Sage for some years, came forward and said that she saw Sage that night at Wild Wings Cafe at around 7 o'clock p.m. According to the eyewitness, Sage was sitting alone and she said she was waiting for someone. Another thing to note is that this cafe also shares the same location as the Amtrak station, which is where Sage would have met with Eric that evening. And this would have meant that after Sage saw her stepsister Kiera when she was on the phone, she made a stop sometime at this cafe. Employees of the restaurant who were there that evening couldn't really confirm or deny if they had seen Sage. So the police tried to track down video of the night that Sage was there to track her movements. But of course, there was no luck because no footage existed from the establishment. After this tip, Sage's case seemed to go cold and unnoticed for a long time. Her mom, Latasha, told ABC News that she just didn't feel the community was that supportive of her and her family. The searches they conducted did not include a lot of cameras or too many police officers, according to her. It had very little people involved. And I stress this because in September of 2014, which is two years after Sage went missing, in the same city of Charlottesville, another young teen named Hannah Graham disappeared. Now, Hannah was found, unfortunately, deceased within 36 days of looking for her. But her disappearance was known to have such a massive and extensive search behind it. Many people from the Charlottesville community came together in the search for her, and the coverage was nonstop on media stations. And definitely not here to take away from what happened to Hannah or what her family went through because it is still horrible and horrific. But it just shows, like I said in the beginning of this episode, the disparities that many people of color experience. On top of that, Sage identified as a trans woman, which people felt because of this, folks basically shied away from the search. And the media didn't care to really cover it as much. According to Splinter News, in Hannah's case, the police announced a reward for information within days of her disappearance, and $10,000 of the funds came from the city of Charlottesville. And Sage, Sage also received $10,000 from the city of Charlottesville, but this was two years after she disappeared, and this was after her grandmother Lolita called people out for the difference in how the two cases were handled. Sage's reward totaled $20,000 altogether, which the other half came from Crime Stoppers. Dean told Splinter News, quote, I watched the helicopters come right up and over the field there behind my house. They didn't do that for my child, end quote. Lieutenant James Mooney, who was one of the detectives on Sage's case, he also saw a difference in reactions to the two cases. Mooney feels it is definitely a bigger societal issue at hand. He stated, quote, only a small fraction of our community has taken interest in SAGE, end quote. 
And that right there just speaks for itself. Hey listeners, let me tell you all about the Glam Magic Brush and Sponge Cleaner. Y'all, if you have been looking for a really good makeup brush cleaner, this is definitely one to try. I struggle so much when it comes to cleaning my brushes, especially my sponges thoroughly, but this product is so easy to use and my stuff just looked like it was just brand new again. On top of that, it smells good. You can find more information about the Glam Magic Brush and Sponge Cleaner, its ingredients, plus their other makeup products on www.glamsessionsnyc.com. Three years after Sage disappeared in November of 2015, the Charlottesville Police Department officially no longer considered Eric McFadden a suspect in her vanishing. According to Detective Regine Wright, the digital tracks Eric made after Sage was last seen just didn't really align with that of a person who did something to her. The police were able to see that Eric had been on the computer from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. the evening slash morning after he was supposed to meet with Sage, which doesn't give off the vibe of a man who was guilty, according to the police. He was pretty much just chilling. Also, some more things they took into account was the fact that Eric was living in someone else's apartment, his girlfriend Esther at the time. Eric also had no car, nor could he drive, leaving the authorities with the question like, when did this guy even have time to do anything? So after two more months went by, someone else came forward and said they saw someone who appeared to be Sage in a beach town in Virginia. But oddly and ironically, this sighting ended up being Shakira Washington, Sage's friend and roommate. And Shakira ended up telling the police that their other roommate, Aubrey, may not have been truthful with them to begin with. Shakira said she witnessed Aubrey wearing Sage's wigs, which gave the impression that he knew Sage wasn't coming back. And remember, there was the fact that Aubrey also used Sage's credit card. And to add more suspense to him, Kiera, Sage's stepsister, also told Disappeared Producers that she felt Aubrey and Sage have always had some type of underlining tension. Kiera felt they used to be in competition with one another. And on top of that, the police discovered that Aubrey's initial story about meeting Eric may have been false when a witness told the police that he saw Eric, Sage, and Aubrey all together at a club the Saturday night into Sunday morning before Sage went missing. This is not something Aubrey would forget. I mean, remember, he said he only met Eric briefly. But Aubrey maintains his innocence, and he said that he has been truthful from the beginning. There is also nothing linking him to Sage's disappearance. After explaining his side, Shakira now believes Aubrey would not do anything to hurt Sage. They were all really good friends. By November 2016, the Charlottesville Police Department reclassified Sage's disappearance as a homicide, although they have not located her body. And y'all wouldn't believe, by March 2017, which is over four years after he was supposed to meet up with Sage, Eric McFadden was officially considered a person of interest again. The police strongly feel he may be a witness to what happened to Sage. But Eric still hadn't returned to Virginia. He was still missing. 
Per the request of Eric's mom, the police filed a missing persons report for Eric McFadden in June of 2019. In a press conference, Lieutenant Mooney said, quote, Detectives continue to believe McFadden was the last person to see Smith and that he had information that is vital to the case, end quote. This case now involves two missing people. The police searched numerous leads in cities like Baltimore, Atlanta, New York City, and others for Eric, but no developments were ever discovered. Sage's family continued to ask the public for assistance at the 2019 press release, and they also requested Eric to come forward with the hopes that they can find out what happened to Sage. Again, there is a $20,000 reward for information leading to an arrest. If you have any information on the disappearance of Sage Smith, you can contact the Crime Stoppers tip line at 434-977-4000.